This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. We want to address the subject matter chosen for this special episode focus on rape, rape culture, and the trauma which may be triggering for some listeners. We would like to stress that if this is so, please listen at your own discretion. Kelly. And I'm Jess, and we are the Spinsters of Horror. This is a special contribution for Good For Her through the Anatomy of a Scream podcast network. In this episode, we are revisiting the film MFA from 2017 with an updated discussion inspired by a very early episode of ours that we did on rape revenge films. We will be discussing our thoughts on the rape revenge genre as a whole, rape culture and its prevalence in our society, and of course, the concept of Good For Her and how that relates to MFA. So pick your poison and listen on, if you dare. What are you thinking for your thesis exhibition? I'm hoping that it invites the viewer to look closer at the emotion that's not typical. Yeah, we're not noticing emotion. Let's jump in the deep end this year. Can I uh, see what you're doing? Cool, I like this a lot. So my roommates and I are having a party tonight. You want to come? Look at you, hot stuff. You meeting someone special? There's this guy, but I don't even know if he's into me. Hi. I actually feel like I might be moving away from painting. But you're so good. Are you sure that you said no and that he heard you? No. You told me you said wait. How much did you have to drink, Noelle? Something similar happened to our friend. She told the school. They told her she was crazy. I want you to say you're sorry. <gasps> did you see Luke last night? Yeah. How long did you stay? <laughs> Don't let it ruin the rest of your life. I'm sorry to just show up like this. Your story has really inspired me. Your thesis is about my rapists. Not just yours. Mine too. You're all by yourself? Not anymore. Did you try to take advantage of me? I know you like him. Meet a boy? Something like that. He's one of the football players from every case last spring. It's not your responsibility. The cops? They are not protecting us. For every one of me, detective, I'm guessing there are a few who never even tried. Why don't you start there? You break the law, there's gonna be consequences. I guess it depends on which law you break. So first off, we want to kind of summarize our original discussion from episode five way back when in 2018, because it's been four years. A lot has changed, I would say, for myself, for Jess, for the podcast, our thoughts and feelings on a lot of things. We've grown as podcasters, as horror fans and as women through the last four years. So some of the things that we touched on in that original episode, we will touch back on again today, but some of it we'll kind of leave behind. But please listen to that episode episode if you would like to. But first off, generally speaking, one of the things we talked about was, you know, rape revenge films. Some people find them cathartic and empowering. Some people do not. Some people find them, well, filth. The original episode name was our rape revenge films, feminist or filth. And some people find them exploitative, that they're unnecessary. They're tired of seeing rape in films. And I mean, it's a complex issue. It's a complex discussion and a discussion I think is worth having, but I think they are, they can be empowering and they can be cathartic, but that was definitely a 
a big portion of this discussion that we had way back in 2018. Yeah, and I remember in 2018, I was very new to the rape revenge genre. I have always known about it. I had always heard about it. And I've always asked, I remember would ask Kelly questions about various films and be like, do you think I can watch this film? And so this was a big episode for us because it was episode five of a new podcast. And here we are going, Mm -hmm. let's talk about rape revenge. (laughs) Yeah. And this would have yeah, been, it was big. yeah, so this was like the very first time I actually watched uh, a rape revenge film because typically when I would see a film that would have rape in it, I would be triggered because of my own past with sexual trauma. But I was very curious about the catharsis that come from it and where people did find it empowering. So yeah, that first month we watched I Spit on Your Grave, the OG, and then we jumped into MFA and it was just like, it, it was changing. Yeah. It, I remember seeing those films and it changed my perspective on a lot of things. And it has over the years mm-hmm. as, as we've grown. And one of the things I remember in that podcast episode, I was really emotional because I Spit on Your Grave was a really hard movie to watch, but it didn't feel as realistic or as something I could really identify with. Whereas mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. I remember when we watched MFA, I I remember feeling for a month like almost destroyed because it was like, this is too real. This is close to home. And I remember one of the biggest mm. things that we talked about in that film in regards to MFA was the realism of Noelle mm-hmm. like her experience. It was relatable. And... Mm-hmm even though she was this Avenger, like, she lives within the system, and we, we didn't go into Joe Diesel, but, like, it was a real... I just remember how real that film felt, and it was it was really, mm-hmm. like, close to home, and just also seeing how trauma is dealt with after that, like, because often in rape revenge films, we'll see the catharsis, we'll see the acts of revenge being taken upon, but we never actually see the trauma later on. Some of them we do, and I've... And as, over the years, as I watched more rape revenge films, I've seen it. I We've seen where the, like, the elements of trauma but I remember MFA just being like this hits close to home because sometimes you can't get revenge like you want to. Yeah absolutely and I know Carol Clover's book Men, Women, Chainsaws was and it still is kind of like a seminal text but more so you know four or five years ago. Carol Clover talks about the woman that is enacting the revenge in these rape revenge films as the female Avenger kind of like a final girl of sorts. She's gone through violence, trauma, brutality and comes out the other end, definitely changed, but gets some justice and revenge on her oppressors, right? Mm-hmm. And this is these are revenge fantasies. And I feel like, yes, I Spin in Her Grave falls definitely more into the fantasy element of yeah. it. It takes away the realism, and that's a lot. I've watched a lot of rape revenge films, and a lot of them blend this like revenge fantasy with thriller, with horror elements. And sometimes, yes, are not the most relatable, but we can some of us, some people anyways, can sit back and feel that empowerment and feel that catharsis for the, quote, justice being handed out Mm -hmm. at the end of the movie, whereas MFA is so different, really bites down on the concept of vigilante justice, consequences of your actions, the consequences of this revenge, rape culture, consent culture, and the absolute stark reality of our broken justice system. And I think that's one of the main reasons why we wanted to revisit it, because this film is so powerful. Yeah, well, I remember it was because you recently watched it about a month or two ago, and you were, like, having all these thoughts again about it. And I I remember, like, I myself hadn't revisited MFA, like, since 2018. Like, I've watched a bunch of different other uh, seminal uh, rape revenge films, just so I can experience and understand more of the genre in itself and feel more informed. But MFA was a hard one for me to revisit, because, again... The realism yeah. of it—it's—it's yeah. it's an impactful, yeah. it did an impactful film. But at the at the same time too, it I feel like it's good for us to revisit this film again because it impacted me in a different way. I remember walking away mm. from this film, the first time I watched it, I walked away like destroyed. I was crying, I was triggered, mm-hmm. I had stuff to get through. This time, walking away from the film, I felt angry, and I'm like, I want to do stuff. I want to talk about this. We need to keep having these right. conversations. Like, and I didn't feel broken I'm like okay this brings up some triggers but I also have so many tools now to be able to continue to work on myself and to be a voice and and to use my voice and find the feminism within it in these films and talk about what they're really trying to say once again the commentary on like you said this justice systems that fail women time and time again in these cases that's not what happened and what do you think happened in my room 
What are you? Why are you looking at me like that? What the fuck's wrong with you? You raped me. Excuse me. <laughs> oh, that's fucking rich. <laughs> Stop being so fucking sensitive. You were into it. You liked it. It's not what happened. Oh, come on. Don't give me that shit. Go fucking read me a Jezebel article. Ah, the fuck? Fucking do that. All right, you know what? If you're going to act this way, just like... You can just leave, all right? I'm sick of this. You can let yourself out. I said you can Blue. let yourself out. Oh, you didn't make it. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Fucking crazy. Stop acting crazy. I'm not crazy! Well, I think let's get into our updated discussion on MFA here yeah. in 2022. So starting off with the rape revenge genre. Yeah, it's been four years later. More films have been watched. Absolutely. I mean, I was watching them before, during and after. Um, I, d I am a big fan of them. But when we initially got into this episode, the original one, we were both very confident, <laughs> very confident that rape revenge films as a whole are, are feminist. We do not think they were felt that they are feminists. So then we were quite confident and also very confident calling MFA feminist as well. It is a feminist film. We thought so then. So how do we feel now? Well, for me, I feel like it's complicated. I've grown as a person. I've done more research, more critical thinking. I personally don't think rape revenge films are inherently feminist, but they're also not inherently filthy exploitation trash garbage. Yeah. Can they be either or? Yes, but I do really feel like it's more complicated and more nuanced than that. I'll leave that there, Jess. What what do you think is like an initial kind of comment on, do you think rape revenge films are feminist or filth? I would be in the same alignment with you. It's that I don't think they're inherently feminist, but they are addressing our society's way of dealing with rape and our cultural confusion around how we address rape and deal with them in film. And I know that it's often very problematic that, and this gets bring up in a lot of different podcasts that I've listened to over the years of people being like, they're tired of seeing rape being used as a plot point. And I agree. There are times where I'm watching a film like, oh, are we really going to use a rape as a plot point for this film? And But then I also see that there are other films where mm -hmm. it is kind of almost like, well, that is reality. Like, we can't keep hiding the fact that it doesn't exist and that it's just really hard to show and kind of one of the things that have helped inform my opinion was like you know we have talked about what what makes a film feminist but I also know that I've been reading uh, Rape Revenge Films a critical study a book by Alexandra Heller Nicholas which I remember we mentioned earlier on in episode 5 mm -hmm, that we both mm -hmm. hadn't re read yet and then reading that book and I was like really learning like okay the rape revenge genre is a really nuanced genre like we know it's a film where rape is central to the narrative and that it is punished by an act of vengeance which is either a victim who does it themselves as the agent or someone who's mm -hmm. connected to the victim but there is yeah. often a distinction about who enacts the revenge connected to the rape but it's really mm -hmm. it can be really hard to show to show because it evokes associations of between serious physical acts of violence and like equally weighty moral and emotional responses like it makes people respond mm -hmm. and it makes people feel uncomfortable they don't want to see that violence on the screen women don't want to see that violence on the screen because that makes us already afraid of what we already believe in to happen to us and sometimes it can be re-traumatizing for someone to see that but it's like mm -hmm. one of those things where it's like well we can't not say it doesn't exist it is part of our reality and this happens to women this happens to children it even happens to men and it mm -hmm, be, and by mm -hmm. some of the films of the way they're coming out they need to be shown to show how we need to address this and address this larger mm -hmm. issue and i also know that one of the issues that people had with rape revenge films is that they're coming from a male gaze and they felt misogynistic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I would agree that there are some films out there that you're like, you're watching, you're like, ugh, this is very uncomfortable to watch. Like, this is very male gazy. Yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I would counter that with two things, which is the, the point that people like to make that they're tired of rape being used as a plot point. The amount of films and TV shows that show rape in contrast to the amount of times it happens in real life is very small. True. I'm fine with yeah. showing that because that is the reality 
of our day-to-day lives. That is mm. reality of living in the society that we do. I think it's fine as a plot point. It happens. You're right. I think you hit the nail on the head with that. We can't hide it. Yeah, I'm tired that it happens in real life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But the again, the amount of times that it happens in real life compared to the amount of times it's just happening in movies, very small. Yeah. And to also counter that was something that uh, a friend and a longtime listener of our podcast even, I think it was our, yeah, I think it was our friend, Jenai, who mentioned this again a number of years ago when we talked about this, but are they misogynistic or is it that we just live in a misogynist society in a world and it's just showing that back at us again it's complicated it's nuanced and I don't think they're inherently misogynistic either sometimes how they're filmed can be different maybe more male gazy there is an idea out there that people like to make they say that rape revenge films or like the rape in the films are filmed very they're like very titillating Mm. but I've seen so many and I've only seen one out of so many that was filmed more like a sex scene than it was a rape scene so I think I don't know where that comes from have they seen the films that I I just disagree with that. Absolutely. Well, I was thinking, jumping off from that point is, and I think that misinterpretation comes because often a lot of the rape revenge films that are synonymous with like the horror genre and all kinds of other genres are often filmed by men and there's actually in Alexandra's book goes into there there's a history of female directed rape revenge films and they're largely ignored denied or they're often Mm -hmm. buried within the genre or or other genres and it's really been the Me Too movement that has brought more of these films to light and to really show that diverse tone and and, tone and content Mm -hmm. In these films because people often assume that women are going to stay away from making rape revenge films. We will talk about later about a woman who did make a rape revenge film and how she addressed that as well but often mm-hmm. there are films being made in the 60s by women that focused on their stories and the stories of other women and the stories of mass rapes and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like, mm-hmm. But they often don't get the same um, attraction to them because one of the things that we talked about really early on in one of our, in this podcast episode, episode 5, was about how women don't want to talk about rape or they don't want to or they can't believe that a woman would make a film about that and want to bring that trauma Mm -hmm. out right so female filmmakers in history being buried due to the fact that I don't know patriarchy (laughs) (laughs) you know just because there are so many films and again we're kind of here based on horror kind of elements and stuff like that and maybe they're not so flashy like horror films would Mm. be so I know I get that no it's it's really sad but there are tons of them out there worth watching I do want to bring it back to the concept of calling a film a feminist film because that's where I felt like I was very naive when I was very confidently saying that Rape Revenge films were feminist and MFA was feminist and just like throwing it out there. But that term gets thrown around yeah. so much and almost too much for me now that it's made me stop and kind of question me throwing it around a little bit too much, too easily, which makes it, makes the label less powerful and it shouldn't be less powerful. It needs all the power it can get. So to be feminist, to be a feminist movie, it has to express the purpose of educating the audience about the social inequality between men, women, you know, the genders, our sexes, right? Essentially speaking to the struggles of women. And what really got me interested in rethinking this was where I'm getting this from is a blog post by Anna Biller, who did The Love Witch. It's a really fantastic post on her website, but it really got me thinking that it's much more complicated than just saying something's feminist because it's not misogynistic. Mm-hmm. No, we don't. We need more than a baseline foundation of, oh, women are humans in this. Oh, it's feminist. Oh, women wrote it. It's feminist. Not necessarily. How about just let women create things without having an agenda? Because mm-hmm. then that kind of pigeonholes everybody's art. And we don't want to do that. But essentially, feminism is a social movement. It's a political movement. And unless your movie, your movie or your TV show or whichever is, unless it's calling back to that struggle, it's not inherently feminist. And I don't think it's easy or we should necessarily be calling something feminist. So do I think like overall rape revenge films are feminist? No. Do I think MFA is? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it is, it was built on somebody's real life experience. The writers, it was writer or the director. The director, she had a real life experience, but she didn't write it. But I think the film, the writer Leah McKendrick, when she sent in the script to her, she was inspired by it because it was really eerily close to her own experience. Right. Exactly. So that's kind of where I stand on that, because it's 
MFA actually is showing us the realities of women in our current day-to-day society. It's making a serious commentary on the state of our justice system, on the state of rape culture, on the state of, you know, university campuses worldwide. This is an American film, so stuff that's happening in America for this. So absolutely, because it's commenting and challenging our beliefs and making us think like you, this point in time when you watched MFA, Jess, you're like, okay, I'm ready for change. Yes, this is how I feel. I need, this is invoking power within me to help create change in our day-to-day lives in our real world because it's challenging our thought process. It's actually showing the struggle like literally throughout the movie. So yes, I think MFA is feminist. Yeah. And I agree with you because it, MFA also came out after the wave, um, well, on the wave of the Weinstein allegations and part of the wave of the hashtag MeToo movement. And like Kelly said, it was based on the director's own kind of like her own experience was in like informing as she was filming the film. And a lot of the discourse in the film is about came out of the MeToo movement, rape culture, mm-hmm. consent, just, mm-hmm. you know, women being supporting women. Like as you they're like, I feel like this film, as you're going through MFA, it, like it hits on all the like notes of everything that we're you know feminists are fighting for and women are fighting for within this film particularly when it comes to yes. I want to feel safe enough to walk on my campus wearing whatever I want and not have to worry about someone raping me it shouldn't be me protecting myself we should be teaching men not to rape and so speaking of MFA the movie I agree with you Jess this is like one of the most authentic relatable rape revenge films I have ever seen. You know, it's still got that kind of like female Avenger vigilante like fantasy in it, Mm -hmm. but it's so rooted and grounded in reality. And even looking, that was 2017, 2018, right? Coming back to 2022, we've now had Violation, Promising Young Woman. So we've had other movies that do, that are more relatable, do speak to a lot of the things that MFA is. But at the time, MFA, in my mind, was like the only one. And this movie hurts so much for many reasons, but our protagonist, Noelle, because we see her before, during, after. We don't often get that in rape revenge films. And we're like with her throughout the whole journey, this whole time. And it's like beginning, middle and end type thing. It's like a whole arc. It's a whole story. And we don't often get that. So we're like, we know Noelle. Like we get into her soul in this movie. Yeah. And we get to see something else that comes out sometimes with rape revenge because you wonder what happens to the other people around Noelle and how they're Mm -hmm. impacted by it. And Noelle, she takes it upon herself to enact revenge, not just for herself, because it, what happens on mm-hmm. accident, just it just happens on accident, but because yes. she sees her rapist dead, she felt some sort of catharsis from it, right? And now she all of a sudden feels she becomes this um, agent of uh, vigilante justice to help get other women to seek justice and to show men and hold them accountable for their actions. But then we kind of run into the territory where trauma trauma exists and it exists in the world of a rape revenge film but that is often excluded from a rape revenge film we don't see the trauma often like kelly said of the protagonist we also don't see the trauma that it impacts other people and while noelle's Mm -hmm. actions are coming from a place of both anger and wanting to help she unknowingly re-traumatizes other women who have experienced um Mm -hmm. rape and that's like and that's Mm -hmm. a nuanced conversation as well because like it's important that we're going out there when we're fighting and we're telling people like you need to report your rapist and you need to do all these things we have to also have an understanding of the trauma that it puts people through and in this film we see how the act of rape or sexual assault impacts women differently and how people are coping Mm -hmm. and dealing with that trauma and while noelle takes the agent justice become the agents of justice enacting revenge for everyone sky or or we find out later a daisy she changed her life she changed who she was she just wanted to let it go Mm -hmm. and die and then we have the same with um the other girl i think it's Lindsay. yes Lindsay. Lindsay, how she also was like i built myself up i let it go i'm angry i'm angry that they're not getting their punishment but that's just how it is and yeah. I think that's also a really interesting, important conversation to have is like, well, how do we support each other as women, mm-hmm. as a community to help each other find justice for these acts of violence being placed upon women, but doing it in a way that doesn't re-traumatize? Key. That's a great, absolutely great point. And one of the many things I think that is so wonderful about this movie. I want to bring up 
the rape scene in the sense of what really it's I again I've seen a lot of movies I was dreading rewatching this movie I also rewatched it for women in horror month so that was a couple of months ago and it was hard then and I just it's it's a very it's a very hard movie to watch and I've like I said I've watched a lot and this is the only one that's like really like this one really hits me and it and I think what it besides so many elements that we talk we're going to talk about today it's the details that went into creating that scene the rape scene in itself because if you look at a lot of the other rape revenge films it's like big like group scenarios like I spit on your grave or they don't really show it there's just very specific details in it that makes this movie so important for other women to show if somebody is acting like this with you you need to pull yourself away from this scenario like it's just if I I think I'm articulating that okay but like body language and manipulation the manipulation of Luke in the scene that's the word I'm looking for the manipulation and so there's very key points and like I went through this scene like moment by moment because it's really really important he isolates Noel from the rest of the party in his room and this is also important because later on Noel of course she wants to report this to the school and she has to play through uh, the moments kind of like moment by moment what happened did you say no are you sure that he heard you it's like those types of things but if you watch her body language it's deeply uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and she says no numerous times she says wait she says stop but he doesn't she is ignored this I feel like the part of this what makes this movie so powerful is the details in this scene how he how Luke manipulates her how he manipulates their actions how he ignores her actions and us just watching a scenario that is so very common Mm -hmm. and it's awful and when she comes down the stairs after the rape scene shaken bruised again look at her body language that's vastly different than when she got to the party in the first place nobody says anything or does anything i know she kind of he kind of escorts her out pretty quickly but i noticed in that scene that two people two women particularly like look at her and they kind of look at each other right and nothing is said and then like yeah he escorts her out and then she goes and nothing happens right i feel like Noelle is so brave. She's such an incredible character because she goes to him looking for an apology. Mm -hmm. How often does that happen? Like never. How often are are women brave enough and not so deeply, I want to say traumatized, for lack of a better word, but she confronts him. Yeah, she confronted her rapist. Yeah, absolutely. And that in itself, I think, is like a step that we never see and that will help people. Absolutely, because nobody does that. But then, of course, he doesn't listen. There's no sympathy. There's no listening. There's no accountability. There's Mm. nothing. He's just nothing. There's nothing besides like defensiveness and hatred. And and that in itself is 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 so much. And when we get to the revenge part, like in all of these movies, revenge is fleeting. It changes nothing on the grand scheme of things. Even even if it does in these movies, give us this like instant gratification, this instant catharsis. But like no one really changes. The world carries on and people just keep getting hurt. And that's what's really upsetting. And I think maybe, Jess, is that what like prompted you to be like, okay, I have feelings about this, but I actually want to do something to help. Exactly. That because I remember when, like, like I said, the first time I watched this, I felt like broken and be like, oh God, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with this. This feeling. Yeah. I like I I remember when I first watched that film, I related and more to the character of Sky and Daisy, like Sky or slash Daisy. I'll just say Daisy because that is who she is. Yeah. In um, yeah. Uh, by the end of the film, and I relate to because I remember what that was like, just needing to change your life just to get to run away from, not run away from it, but just to like it happened. Like she did the right thing. Like she did what she was supposed to do. She went. She told the authorities, but they made yep. her the problem. They made they vic- the victim blamed her. They made her go through jump through hoops, and in the end, yeah. justice was never sought after. And I related to that because I had an experience like that too with the man who molested me in my life. We did the whole legal mm-hmm. things and stuff like that, and just one little thing got him off, and he was protected, and he was able to go back out into the world. And I don't know what else he had done. So I remember relating mm-hmm. so much to Sky and like wanting to curl up into a ball and not deal with it because it was like almost Mm -hmm. like re-traumatizing it but then as I've learned more and gotten more involved in a lot more social issues stuff like that and I saw how like Noelle's 
um, goal was not just to get vengeance, but to hold men accountable. It's not like for her, it's accountability. She approached Luke because yeah. he wanted, she wanted to hold him accountable. When she goes to that Absolutely. V-Day group, she's like, we need to hold them accountable. Justice needs to be served and it's not happening. So men need to be taught that their actions, their consequences for their, her, their actions. And that's what I feel like now, like I, when I see this film and I'm like, yes, we need to just keep like being respectful of other women and not trying to re-traumatize them as they're going through them and help them on their journey as they want to get to that point to be able to start speaking forward and but at the end of the day i just want to hold people accountable i want accountability now you know that nail polish it changes color if there's a date rape drug in it you put it on you swirl it around it'll change colors oh yeah i've heard that right we totally need that on campus i love we should urge the school to provide it for incoming freshmen or guys could just stop drugging and raping girls so we don't need color changing nail polish that would be nice, but until that day comes, I think we need to be prepared. What if we're not prepared? What if we have a drink? What if we wear high heels and we didn't learn Taekwondo? What if we forgot our rape whistle at home and we didn't paint our nails with color-changing nail polish that tells you if your drink is drugged, then what? We just get raped? How about instead of that really useful fashion advice, the administration starts teaching guys that they can't stick their dicks wherever they want. And speaking of accountability and lack of accountability and our absolutely broken society and broken justice system, let's talk about rape culture. (sighs) When we did the episode in 2018, I didn't believe in rape culture. I was like, rape is frowned upon. So it's not in our culture. Culturally, we are fr- we frown upon rape. Rape is not a good thing. It's not something we celebrate. So I'm not really sure where this whole concept of rape culture comes from. I didn't under- really understand what it meant, but now I can't help but see it literally all around me. And just a quick brief reminder, rape culture was a term that was coined by second wave feminists in the 1970s and is to bring awareness to the culture that created around the degradation of women and other marginalized groups. So it's essentially where like an environment where rape is prevalent and sexual violence against any other, any person is normalized and it's excused by our media and our culture. And there are so many examples of it, victim blaming, Mm -hmm. minimizing sexual violence with boys will be boys, explicit, Mm -hmm. sexually explicit jokes, tolerance of sexual harassment, inflating face rape report statistics, gratuitous gendered violence in popular media, enforcing gender roles. And the list goes on. But it it is what the most important one is, too, is not taking rape allegations seriously Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. teaching people how to avoid sexual violence instead of teaching people not to sexually violate someone. And media examples of this would be like Trump's locker room speech, essentially just Trump. All of Trump, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. popular music that slut shames people, uh, slut shaming mm-hmm. promiscuous people, and like I said, our media culture. And doing all this research and thinking more critically about it, I take back what I said. I know, I see it. It's so, ex- it's totally acceptable by our society. As like a jet quote rule, it's not acceptable. But when we see how absolutely normalized, it's about challenging it's not challenged enough by society and that's that's what really hit me like thinking about it like I brought up all like the 100,000 more like thousands of thousands of rape kits that have gone untested excuse me they exist great why aren't you running them why are we not getting DNA samples why aren't we getting to the bottom of this hmm shrug question mark you know it's not being challenged enough and that's what I have I've seen and that's what we see in this movie absolutely but the big thing that I wanted to also bring up and in all of this and so much in this movie is the concept of consent Mm -hmm. yes again consent gets like laughed about and shrugged off as something that is also not that serious but it absolutely is Consent is the agreement to engage in something, just a generalization. Do you want to hang out? Yes, I do want to hang out with you. I am consenting to hanging out with you. Can I give you a hug? Yes, you can. Can I give you a kiss? Yes. Just basic things like that is is what consent is. 
And consent also should be reversible. If I'm no longer wanting to be involved in this scenario, just whatever kind of scenario it is, it should be reversible. Be like, okay, now I don't want to be in this situation anymore. It should be okay to, to, to step away from that. And consent should be enthusiastic, which we don't see in the scene between Noelle and Luke. She is not having a good time. She's not laughing. She's not smiling. Her body language is deeply closed off. Like literally you can see it in her body. She's closed off, trying to get away, saying stop, turning away. Mm -hmm. She's not enthusiastic. She's not into this. But he continues anyways. He ignores it. And essentially consent is part part of rape culture and if you remove consent from a sexual activity then it's it's called rape folks that's sexual assault basic concepts to consent as kelly has already addressed and there's like informed consent you should always be open and honest about your intentions with someone Mm -hmm. and like kelly said they should also be consenting to that but unfortunately one of the things that happens in rape culture and particularly when it comes to how it is constantly perpetuated through our systems and stuff like that is that men don't think or believe that they have to ask for consent that they feel that they have ownership over our bodies women's bodies Mm -hmm. marginalized people's bodies and i'm saying more particularly like cis white hetero men they and that's what's problematic about rape culture in itself is that it's inherent in our system because it's protecting it's protecting the perpetrators of this violence it's not helping it's not helping the survivors of sexual assault because often when survivors of sexual assault come forward to hold their perpetrator accountable it can often be a very invalidating experience because they are grilled they're asked what were Mm -hmm. you wearing what were you did you say like kelly said like that whole scene that noelle goes through with that um psychiatrist is like victim blaming one-on-one like she is like are you sure Why were you alone yep. with them? Are you know like not even taking her word? And then often these investigations take months to almost a year of any kind of pro- of anything to be done. And often the survivor has little to no emotional support. They are treated indifferently. Mm-hmm. They are often mm-hmm. blamed for what happened to them. Like one of the big things that come out of this film is this idea of women versus women when it comes to uh, rape culture and. It's one of the those it's one of those aspects of rape culture that really like grinds my gears because mm-hmm, you get mm-hmm. a lot of statements in this film like especially when Lindsay's talking about her rape she's like oh girls hate sluts you know like they turn yeah. against the victim yeah. because like oh well she was promiscuous or she dressed promiscuously so of course she's going to get what she deserved and you're like wait no no one deserves that ever mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. watching the uh, V Day group scene I was mm-hmm. strongly reminded of white feminism because mm-hmm. here they are talking about writing articles about women being raped in Rio de Janeiro and they're like, yeah, mm-hmm. we're helping out. We're helping like almost like an underprivileged country to, you know, right. you know help them. Good point. Yeah. Because yeah. like, yeah, I was like, excuse me, that's great. And that deserves support. But what about what's literally happening on your campus exactly. every like, day, every weekend, every frat party? Like, how about we focus locally so we can act globally? Yeah, exactly. Like, how can you go into another country and say, oh, what you're doing to your women is wrong. Stop doing it mm-hmm. and making all of us aware, which is yeah. great. Yeah, make us make more and more people aware of the terrible things that are happening to women in other countries. But it's also still happening in our own country. We haven't fixed our own backyard and we need to be yeah. looking at that. And I love how Noelle challenges them it's like okay well here you are talking about getting nail polish so women can detect drugs in their drink no teach men not to rape you know and they're like oh we can't the system won't allow us we just have to do this this is our way to work within the system it's like but by working within the system we are giving the patriarchy the power to continue to control our reactions and actions to this prevalent issue this problem like no we need to yes noelle takes actions that are aggressive and we see in the later on in that vd group talking about like the deaths that are happening and some of the girls like yeah they fucking deserved it and the one girl's like no one deserves to die for their crimes we're like you're right yeah we shouldn't you know people shouldn't just take someone's out of their life willy-nilly but nothing else is holding these people accountable when you think about what Mm -hmm. happened when these when these um rape allegations came out what did the college do protected them look at these men like at one point they're the police officers talking about how rising football star rising football star the great artist you know he was so potential this you know like these are like they're canonized as like these martyrs but you're like but there's literally a video of these three men 
gang raping a young woman <sighs> that is evidence yeah. enough but no but because she's yeah. a woman and because you know she's big and like we end up finding out that Lindsay is like she says she's a poor girl from the other side of the tracks She's a marginalized mm-hmm. group, so of course no one's mm-hmm. going to listen to her. Yeah, that group is that that group is really frustrating. So I understand why Noelle is frustrating, and her monologue is so mm. like crushing. She's like, "Well, what if we aren't prepared? What if we haven't learned Taekwondo? And like, what if we decide to have a couple of drinks? Yeah, what if we do that? Do we just get raped? I guess so, because that's what this group is telling me, and this is what this school is teaching me. That's what society is teaching me. What if we aren't prepared? And And one of the reactions to her challenging that group was, at least we're doing something. We're spreading awareness. Sure. I've also spread awareness on various, you know, social causes. The endless amount of energy that can be put into activism of talking about a problem without actually solving the deep-seated problem, which is patriarchy, which is rape culture. We have to stop things at its core. So I get it. Again, activism can have this instant gratification, like, I'm doing something, mm-hmm. but are you? Is it enough? And no, because it's it's a Band-Aid solution for a, deep, a deep-rooted problem that is very complicated to fix. It's hard. It's frustrating. It's overwhelming. But as I learned in animal rights activism, respect existence or expect resistance And yes, Noelle, who's feeling deeply frustrated by the lack of accountability, lack of literally anything. Yeah, one of the cops says about that frat house, about how there's been multiple allegations of sexual assault. Oh, it's still up and running. These men are fine. This is still okay. You all know it. We're not taking it seriously enough. When people start to die meaning these frat boys, they start dying. Oh, the cops have opened their eyes. And now this is really serious because murder is serious. And that brings us back to, I'll just segue into uh, when Noelle's being questioned by the cops. Oh, he's like, oh, if people who break the law should be punished, essentially. And she's like, it depends on which law you break. Because yeah. we obviously see time and time again, men raping women, physically assaulting women, sexual assaulting women, and literally nothing happening. And as far as I know, that's breaking the law. Correct me if I'm wrong. Right? Exactly. And I love that moment in the film where she like looks him dead in the eye. She's like, I guess it depends on which law you break. Yeah. Yep. You're right. It's, I guess it's okay yep. for men to rape women. And I guess if women don't have enough evidence, yeah. it's not really something to, that they can go on. But, you know, if yeah. you can murder someone and get thrown in jail as of that because, you know, the evidence is there. But, like, the evidence was there for the rape. So, yeah, depends on which law that someone decides they want to uphold that day. Yeah. And, like, going back to Luke, who was accidentally killed. That was an accident. Mm. Uh, Noelle's assaulter. Like, how many women has he assaulted? This was apparently a very normal sexual occasion and situation for him. This is totally normal. It's like another, just another Friday night. Mm -hmm. Raping women. So... Another example of rape culture we see in this and just is in our society is that so now Luke can just like go on with his life. These rapists can go on with their lives unchanged and unwavering, whereas the women are forever deeply traumatized and changed. Mm-hmm. Noelle has to see Luke all over school. They take the same art class together. He's texting her, want to come over? Like he has no idea. Nobody also taught him how to engage properly in sexual activities. But like these women are forever chained and these men go off and just can live normal lives. And that's rape culture. Which also like points out to another thing that I feel like it's something that's missed that the group could have done is also setting up more systems and emotional support systems for survivors of sexual assault, because that is also something that is severely lacking is that a lot of women don't necessarily have the resources or know the right resources to go to. Like it's kind of like it's buried deep inside because once again, it's a thing our culture is uncomfortable with but it's something that's so desperately needed because like the biggest thing is like victim blaming and women who don't feel like they have anyone to go to to get emotional support that they need to move through Mm -hmm. the trauma of that violence and sometimes it's not just like seeking justice it's just helping you to negotiate not feel like you're so alone yeah exactly like negotiate the trauma that has now been violently introduced into your life and you're not alone there is a support system there are people around you and that is what's Mm -hmm. so important so what's so upsetting when you see like women not believing other women because if men don't believe us who's gonna believe us and you would think other women would believe us but that is something that that shows that is also lacking in rape culture is the fact that we don't have enough support for this yeah and there's a really touching scene the the friendship between daisy and noelle is 
really special. It's very emotional. It's very special. It's very touching. So after the rape with Luke, Daisy comes in and can tell, again, hello, reading body language, um, that she is not okay. And so, you know, probes her a little bit like what happened? Because again, she knows she can tell the signs of something as someone that's just been sexually traumatized. She was there. It's happened to her, right? So Daisy immediately believes her, but she also tells her to not to tell anyone because it doesn't do anything and not to let one shitty night ruin the rest of her life, as as we find Daisy is trying so desperately to do for herself. But, I mean, she's coming from a place of experience, that of which Noelle doesn't know yet, but she's like, don't tell anyone because it's a waste of time. Because it often is. Like, it really just is. And again, that's rape culture. Exactly. And that is a very touching scene because, like, survivors, other survivors know other survivors. And I I know I keep saying survivors because, like, I don't like to say that um, women of uh, sexual assault are victims. They are not victims. They are survivors. But survivors mm-hmm. know other survivors. They can tell. Yeah. And yeah, when I something like that. that has happened, and yeah, it's unfortunately, they also have to share their experience of how they were treated when they did step forward. And that is terrifying for women. But it's also so important to be there and be supportive of women who make the actions to step forward and call out their abusers. Because mm-hmm. that is what we should be doing to help keep showing that this is a prevalent problem in our system. Nice handiwork, by the way. Mm. 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 What? Do you want to talk about it? Don't hurt me. I know what I did. I'm sorry for what I did. I'm so sorry. God. Oh, please. 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 I'm a good guy. Uh, I'm changed. Please. So let's move on to the reason why we're all here today, and that is the concept of good for her. Uh, so what is good for her? That's It's kind of turned into this, this concept that's, again, kind of thrown around a little bit like feminism and saying something's feminist, but mm-hmm. I was curious. We love, we love origin stories here. We love definitions. But the term good for her was sparked by an infamous arrested development scene that went viral back on Tumblr in the mid-2010s, and now has since become like this big internet meme we have for... We've been lumping all of these movies, horror or not, within this universe of good for her. But generally speaking, the concept of, quote, good for her is about movies or shows that uplift women, femininity, and feminism in film. It's about women fighting against adversity or, you know, for example, brutalized, victimized, demoralized, dehumanized women who then regain control or bodily autonomy and defeats their oppressor. Essentially speaking, that's what good for her is and the movies that get lumped into it like MFA. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was really interesting learning more of this history and the context around good for her because it's it's a lasting meme. Like Kelly said, like it's kind of considered like a subgenre, a category of film where you'll find lists that people be like, this is like a good for her list. And it's really satisfying because it's satisfying to see female characters like releasing their desires and receiving a very fulfilling conclusion at the end. Like you've watched a film sometimes of two hours of like either they're being brutalized or they're fighting against the system or they're, you know, trying to enact Mm -hmm. some, trying to right some wrong. And triumphing at the end, essentially. Yes, they triumph. They're happy. They got that big smile on their face, which is classic ending good for her. And we see that in MFA as well. Yeah, exactly. But I think one of the things that really got highlighted from a couple of articles that I that Kelly and I read for this was there is actually good for her that can be done really well and it can also be done really bad. And I think Kelly and I, you over the la- you and I over the last four years have had a lot of conversation around this kind of good for her meme and stuff like that and around like mm-hmm. some of the images that we see lumped in with these films and we'll be like, 
Mm-hmm. I don't see that film as a good for her moment. I know the big one for me is Midsommar. I yep, do too. not feel that <laughs> Midsommar is a good for her film. Um, you know, it's about a yeah, she's belittled and she's traumatized. She gains her 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 autonomy at the end, but. At the end, she's under the but control of a cult. Her trauma <laughs> has been manipulated, and she has been groomed yeah. to believe in this false sense of family. I'm like, and I don't think that's feminist at all. Like, I've done some research into cults. I'm not and, happy for her. Yeah, at the end of the day, I'm more worried <laughs> and concerned for her because I'm like, oh, she went yes. from one terrible situation into another terrible situation, and that's what happens. Yeah. That's how cults find followers. They find people who are traumatized, yeah. particularly women who are in bad relationships, and indoctrinate yeah. them. So I'm like, mm, that one's not good for her. Yeah, but in the end it's like, we're supposed to be celebrating these women. They've triumphed over evil. They've triumphed over adversity. But are these women worthy and deserving of such praise and accolades? And we can't, they're not all feminist masterpieces because that gets, again, we've heard my thoughts and thoughts on calling something feminist, but they're not all feminist masterpieces. It's complicated. Yeah. As humans are complicated. And coming to MFA, because MFA is so unique in the sense that it shows the consequences of your actions. It shows the consequences, the complex consequences of your revenge, of the series of actions and violence that you have had to endure and go through to get to your quote good for her moment at the end consequences biggie in mfa still destroys me sky or daisy so when you first meet daisy like i love her she's just like beautiful and her hair's got like tips of purple and she's flowing she's wearing crystals she's just seems to have everything together you know what i mean she seems so like wise and knowledgeable and free she seems to understand men she's got her move she's confident she's sensual her almost like for lack of a better term light and love kind of (laughs) yeah yeah aura about her right just like flowing, go with the flow, is hiding some very serious, deep-rooted pain that, again, gets revealed later on in the movie. But when Noelle realizes Daisy's history of sexual trauma, she, of course, is very upset by that. She's turned already turned into this vigilante, so she wants to help her best friend feel better. But the opposite happens. Your uh, your your actions have consequences. And Jess, you mentioned this early on in this in our discussion. But not everybody wants to drudge up all these old memories and trauma. And Daisy does not. She's wanted to bury it, put it all behind her. The cops are starting to talk to her again. The trauma is all coming back. And she's seen there's there's the photos her crimes like essential yeah. crime scene photos her her abused photos that we already know she's struggling with she's a self-harmer she yeah. is struggling and i get why no- noelle wants to enact revenge for her because she knows she didn't get it herself but she didn't want it she's trying to move on and she was like i now have to go through this the cops already think i'm crazy i wanted it all over now it's back and having noelle carry on with this also without her consent we're talking about consent here she didn't ask for her to do this Lindsay is like yeah that's fine oh that's happened to them oh well maybe you should talk to other rapists and kind of see what's going on in the world yeah Lindsay's fine you know at first you know Daisy's just like yeah I'm glad I'm glad he's in the ICU yeah of course however it brings so much back for her and Noelle not getting her consent to enact this revenge literally kills Daisy and it's devastating and the death of Daisy is probably one of the most upsetting scenes in film in anything I've ever seen it's it stands at like top tier most heartbreaking scenes in film history for me it's emotional and it's like to have to have a situation like that happen like we know we know that before all before that scene happens that Daisy finds out what Noelle is doing and she confronts her and what I really like in that moment is that Noelle is like you're right I didn't ask for consent I didn't do what I was like I'm going to turn myself in you are not this is not going to be on you. I will turn myself. And yeah. you know, like, she is going to do the right thing. You know she will. She is. She is, gonna, you know. But then Daisy, and 
the fact that all her trauma is brought up again and she knows the system she knows that she will never truly ever be free of this again and also I think at the same time too she doesn't she loves Noelle so much and she has been such a cheerleader for her in her career and her passion stuff like that that she's like you know what I will like I don't want to put an idea in someone's head as to why they would um, commit suicide but at the end of the day we know that this is something that re-traumatized her and the fact that she's already been through the system trying to have her have justice and have this person be held accountable and how that already traumatized her and brought her to where she was now like it would have been harder I think maybe for her to continue forward because it was already hard enough as it is and like other consequences I mean we know that these dudes are rapists Mm -hmm. but their family probably doesn't know maybe friends school like peers like to them unless again they know they're grieving okay all these people are being killed I don't know they don't know they're rapists like they're grieving their families their mothers and fathers and siblings like there is a trickle down effect to when you murder people obviously but again no one in all of this has asked Noel to enact vengeance for them and they all have different reactions right it just shows the complexities of human relationships the dynamics between relationships feelings emotions and reactions to trauma just that there's nuances to life and and exactly and that's where it comes up to when we see good for her and when we see it in its good like when we are actually seeing it as empowering because often these films when they are good they're about women who have been devoid of power and defeating their abusers so they're taking back some sense of control in their lives and it's showing a new characterization of of a woman that the good for her the the final girl as it used to be called she's no longer one dimensional mm-hmm. she mm-hmm. is we're applying more of a feminist lens on her to see more that women are just more than just we're virginal and we're good and you know we control the narrative based upon this complexity of who we are as individuals and how the system impacts us and changes us and watching the end of the film and we I could see like Noelle is like a good for her moment in this film because she knows what she's doing and like by the the way yeah. this film ends, um, I have wrote this out, and was that she goes to that psychiatrist and she threatens Melinda, the the yuppie psychiatrist yeah. who has been protecting the male elite. And you know, at the end of the day, yeah. you're like, you're gonna get caught. Like, I know how yeah. that woman's gonna react. She's gonna call the police and say she's been threatened, yeah. and she's you know, and all that stuff. And then I start thinking, like, but she's an artist, and she has been painting her pain through her art. And I remember thinking how mm-hmm. like. Well, you know what? No real artists are really remembered in history without making some sort of statement. And Noelle mm-hmm. has been making a statement throughout the film. She is saying mm-hmm. that men need to be held accountable for their crimes against women. And at the end yeah. of the film, she does her graduation speech. And I'm going to read it out because I just find it so impactful and powerful. Is She knows she's going to get arrested. She was already going to turn herself yep. in. But with yep. Sky's yep. death, she's like, no. I'm going to get arrested. I will atone for my actions. But she says, I urge you not to preserve the beauty, but to expose the truth. Dare to make the world uncomfortable with your honesty, no matter what the consequences is, because the world will be better for it. You will be better for it. She realizes what she did, and there are consequences for her actions. But this story is going to get out, and she is going to say mm-hmm. why she did what she did. This guy raped this woman. This guy raped this woman. Like It's kind yeah. of like making that Absolutely. statement that Yes, she gave up some good 20 years or so of her life, but she was making a statement through her art and also through her actions. Yeah, she's a unique female Avenger yeah. in the rape revenge genre because she's very aware. She's very aware of everything she's doing. It's all very, like, meticulously done, sometimes very blatantly done, like grabbing a guy and putting him to, to kill him in the middle of the gymnasium at night. Like, yeah. But she's very, very aware. She's very cognizant of all of her actions, She's getting all the right people. She just she's just very aware every step of the way. It's start I feel like it starts as like this reactionary emotional thing, but then it becomes calculated. Yeah. She she's very unique in that way. And also for murdering all these people, you have broken that law. Mm-hmm. And yes, now she she'll have a platform to speak to why she did what she did. She's got a lot of time to, to speak up for all of that, and I foresee that in her in her future. Yeah, because often in rape revenge films, 
we see the we see the Avenger get her revenge, and then she just leaves. We don't know if it's going to be it re- it's going to yeah. end. We don't yep. know how it's it going to be reported. What's going to be said about it? If anyone's ever going to find the bodies? And like you said, no one knows. No one knows the story. So like you said, all these guys who are being killed and stuff like that, their families don't know the rapist. But when the story comes out, they'll, they'll know. know. And yep. that's what makes I feel like sure. MFA different in the rape revenge and more of a feminist rape revenge film because we get all this complexity and we get all this nuance to the film that we're like mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. this is a complex social issue that we are really living with and that's where that realism comes back in with this film one of the big things that i thought about when i initially saw mfa and what still is something that i plan to like explore much deeper but what really gets me is the fact that by the end of these movies things don't change and there's one rapist that we run into which is actually daisy's rapist so noel finds him he's he's actually a changed man mm-hmm. he knows that he messed up. He knows what he did was wrong and he's also moving on with his life, but he knows. So this kind of like, you see the like wheels turning in Noelle's head. She's like, oh, this is messing up with my ideology. You actually feel remorse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. And this is all the whole idea of calling in versus calling out. This, it's a movement. It's an ideology, a new methodology of trying to, for lack of a better word, rehabilitate sexual assaulters, rapists, abusers. We need to teach men not to rape. That's not happening. But how about we talk to rapists and try to see why do they do the things that they do? Have they changed? Can we change them? And then if they can change, how about they teach other men to change their attitudes and behaviors towards women who might think that rape is funny or rape is okay and consent is a joke? And that's what it is. Because, yes, I feel catharsis in a sense where I'm like, yes, okay, yeah, I'm frustrated. The justice system is doing nothing. Yes, they're dead. They can't hurt another living soul, but they also cannot change. Yeah. Nobody learns anything from revenge. Nobody's learning anything. These men are dead. And that is a big thing that always sticks out to me when I watch these movies. And though I cheer Jennifer Jennifer Hills when she's killing people and I spit in her grave, especially that remake that's really brutal, nobody learns anything. There's no chance to change. And we have to change. We have to create change. We have to have these tough conversations to change people's minds, change rape culture, turning it into a culture that does not feel that sexual assault, violence, and rape is acceptable, where we literally do not think that is acceptable. Not that we have like this superficial air of, yeah, no, that's frowned upon when it's actually just totally fine to do because, you know, we're not literally doing anything or changing. So that always comes to my mind. And it's something that's really interesting that I, in my own personal life, I'm really, really invested in learning more about because it's it's really interesting to me about changing people's minds and how they view the world and how they view women and how they view their sexual assaults and do they feel remorse let's figure this out it's uncomfortable not everybody is ready to have those conversations but i think it's important i think that's the next way to to deal with this and to move forward so noelle half smiles in that cop car right it's that classic good for her ending should we be celebrating Noelle's actions? Should be should she be rewarded? Are we happy for her? Are we happy at the end of watching MS, MFA as a viewer? No and yes, right? Again, it's complicated. Yeah. Let's re, let's let's review. The concept of good for her is about uplifting women, femininity, and feminism in film. We have women fighting against adversity, right? Absolutely. You know, gaining control somewhat somewhat in this movie she's at least taking actions into her own hands because no other actions are being handed out nothing else is happening if defeats the oppressor so she kills the rapist but is she really defeating the oppressor is she defeating the big bad in the grand scheme of mfa of rape culture of rape revenge no to me no the big bad is still lurking in the shadows ready to pounce at your next party at the club when you go there when you're walking down the street and you have to put your keys between your fingers for protection when you're walking on public transit or on public transit when it's later at night the big bad is still out there and for me you know as the instant gratification subsides and the credits roll in these movies that we're just like championing, we realize there's so much work to do, so much overwhelming work that needs to be done. And really, we're right where we left off. So where do we go from here? 
And that is the big, big... That is beautifully said, and thank you so much. I agree with you 100% of that, especially in the last four years as I've gone on this journey, learning more about the rape revenge genre in itself, but also just feminism and the inherent patriarchy and the and the constant questions that we ask ourselves and the call-out culture and calling us e- each other in. And I feel like, yeah, you've beautifully said all of that. If you or if you know a loved one who is dealing with trauma or sex- of sexual violence, there are resources out there that can help. In Canada, particularly in Toronto and Ottawa, there are the Toronto Rape Crisis Hotline. Uh, the website is trccmwar.ca and they have a 24-hour crisis line at 416-597-8808. And then Ottawa, there is the Ottawa Rape Crisis Center at orcc.net. And it also has a 24-hour crisis line at 613-562-2333. And in the U.S., there is the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, or RAIN for short, www.RAIN, which is two N's, R-A-I-N-N dot org, who have a 24-hour hotline, 877-995-5247. But also through their website, you can chat online with somebody if you need help. If you need help, please reach out it. So we want to thank the Anatomy of the Scream Pod Squad for hosting this retrospective of the film MFA as part of their Good For Her category of film. We want to thank Dance with the Dead for our intro and outro music, Robies, and to all of our listeners. And if you're new to the Spinsters of Horror, we have a monthly podcast called I Spit on Your Podcast, where we discuss horror movies and sometimes other horror mediums with thoughtful analysis, research, and passion. So check us out. You can also follow us on our website at www.spinstersofhorror.com. And also throughout our social media, we have Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search for the Spinsters of Horror. And if you want to chat more with us, we have a Facebook group, which is our Spinster of Horror Coven. We're also on Letterboxd. So if you want to check out and see what movies we've covered for all our mini-sodes, special presentations, and the main show, our main podcast, just search for spinsters of horror we have a youtube channel to search again for spinsters of horror we're everywhere you put in spinsters of horror we'll be there you can check out some videos of ours again of special presentations live presentations and our mini-sodes and we want you to remember the future of fear is female squad.